It's American Craft Beer Week, and you are listening to Tap the Craft. And we are an educational podcast where we like to talk about craft beer in terms the average beer drinker can understand. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight on the podcast is my partner in craft and drinking buddy, John Ream. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm doing all right. Drinking uh, an excellent beer that uh, we'll talk about in a, in a minute. So, All right. Uh, yeah, let's get to it. Okay, we will. But, but hey, before we get to it, uh, I did mention right a little bit different in the beginning of the podcast. It is American Craft Beer Week. It's a very special week in craft beer. It's where all the local breweries in many different areas around the country all celebrate drinking local craft beer and getting people involved in craft beer. John, do you have any activities going on this week that you're planning on attending during American Craft Beer Week, or are you just going to just enjoy drinking craft beer? So it's actually Seattle Craft Beer Week as well. Oh. It started last Thursday. It's <laughs> um, almost more like uh, Seattle Beer Fortnite. Um, I think it, al- it almost goes two weeks. Um, wow. But uh, normally we try to get out for at least one event. Um this year it's proving a little more uh, difficult with the two little ones at home now. So yeah, hoping that next year we'll, we'll get out there, but uh, I think I'll mostly be enjoying my craft beer at home. Okay. How about you? Anything yeah. going on in uh, Boise? Well, you know what? Uh, I try to attend things like, like one year I was out almost every single night of the week to different activities and stuff. And I really enjoyed it, but you know, it does get expensive and it gets very tiring when you're out late every night for, for an entire week drinking beer and having fun with your friends and then trying to go to work the next day. So I don't know. Uh, there's some activities going on. We ha- Again, I- I've already mentioned there's a ton of, of uh, small local breweries here in the area, and they all really embrace the American Craft Beer Week. And they, they, there's a lot of, of special beers being brewed and being tasted and a lot of activities around the bars. So uh, I think I will partake in uh, in at least one night this week activity somewhere in the Boise area. I just haven't decided on where that will be. But uh, the, just to let everyone know, it's uh, American Craft Beer Week starts uh, May 11th and goes through the 17th. So by the time you get this in your ears, if you listen to it right away, you still have a couple days to uh, jump right on board and go visit your local breweries. Uh, drink local. That's the uh, motto for the American Craft Beer Week. So, all right, I just wanted to cover that real quick. But, hey, you know, what the heck is this Tap to Craft that you guys are listening to? I'm assuming that, hey, maybe you're new and you haven't been listening to the last 20 episodes. So Tap to Craft focuses on bringing more people into the craft beer hobby. John and I, we are craft beer enthusiasts. That means we love to drink, we love to learn about and talk about craft beer, and we want to share our passion with all the listeners out there, all of our community. And if you've listened to any of the shows, you know that John and I really do have a passion for this hobby. And we're not experts. I I mentioned we're enthusiasts. So there might be a time or two that we actually might miss, say, a fact. and, And that's really not really a fact. So, hey, if we do that, we encourage all of our listeners to let us know that, hey, you guys made a mistake. This is the real truth in the matter. 
And uh, as John likes to point out, we're 95, or I like to point out, I'll point it out, we're 95% factual, and I'm the 5% uh, you know, that can be a little bit non-factual. So just keep that in mind while you're listening. We want to do this, uh, we want to teach you in kind of in easy to understand terms, you know, terms that aren't going to be talking over your head. We don't want you to be confused. We don't want you to be, you know, going into this hobby and thinking, wow, there's all these different terms. I don't understand it. They're talking like, you know, like I've been involved with this all my life. So we're going to try our hardest to just talk to you in easy to understand terms. That's the goal of Tap to Craft. We love to hear from our listeners, and we encourage our listeners to write into the show. We want to hear about your experiences. We want to hear your knowledge. We want you to ask questions that you want answered, and we love answering questions, as you'll see later in this episode, because we have a, a few questions we're going to answer for, for one lucky listener. Once a month, we like to do a listener participation tasting notes segment where John and I take a beer, and we taste it on the show together and we describe what we're tasting and we encourage our listeners to go ahead and to pick up this beer before the show airs you have a long time two weeks usually if not a month ahead of time to go and pick a beer up and uh, as you're listening to john and i explain what we're tasting you can drink along and you can kind of get an idea of how you know what the flavors you're tasting compared to what we're tasting and so it's a great learning experience and guess what in this episode just happens to be one of those episodes that we're having, Listener Participation Tasting Notes segment. And we're going to be tasting the old classic Red Hook ESB, Extra Special Bitter. So hopefully all of our longtime listeners have gone out and done their homework, and they've grabbed at least a six-pack, if not a 12, and uh, they're going to be ready towards the end of the show to taste along with us. And if you haven't, then you still have time. Go get some now. All right. Also, one last thing before we get started in the meat of the of the of the show is that uh, we are on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and we encourage our listeners, if you enjoy what you hear, to just take a few minutes and, if you can, to help support the show, just write a an iTunes review. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be you know crazy. Just a little something to explain to other people that might be interested in a craft beer podcast, what you like about the show and how John and I can help them uh, better understand craft beer. And so we just encourage our listeners to please help the show out by uh, writing an iTunes review. And if you do that, we're also, by the way, we're having a contest. It's an easy contest. It All it involves is to write an iTunes review. It's, that's pretty easy. It doesn't have to be long. It could be three words. It could be two sentences. It could be, you know, whatever you want. But if you write an iTunes review, you will be entered into a chance for that, a chance to win a Deschutes Brewery little gift pack that it contains uh, some some uh, coasters, a bottle opener, a, sh- a little tasting glass, some stickers in a nice little gift bag. I have two of them. I'm going to give to two lucky listeners who write iTunes reviews the first 20 iTunes reviews we, we receive, I will, we will pick, John and I will pick two people randomly out of that group of 20 to win a prize. So you have a 1 in 10 chance to win something. Those are great odds, and you're helping the show and winning something. So please, again, we encourage you to please go and write a review for us. Thank you. Whew, I'm already winded, but before we 
start to end to what we're drinking, I just want to let you guys know you're listening to episode 21. This is our special episode. We're finally legal. We can go out and drink legally. 21, episode 21, very special. We're recording this episode on May 11th, 2015. And in this episode, we have a few topics we're going to discuss as I spit all over my mic. We're going to talk about bottle sharing. We're going to give you the ins and outs of what bottle sharing is all about. And, you know, this is, a, this is going to be a good topic that's going to help, hopefully help people uh, be able to find bottle sharing experiences in their area and, and, and get a lot more experience with beer craft beer in general all kinds of styles all kinds of different regions and etc so hey stay tuned for that also we have another check it out segment and we're going to check it out with an update to what we talked about last episode about the physics the perfect pour product that we talked they released it to the public for in a uh, indiegogo uh, campaign to raise money and uh, we're going to fill you in on all the details and also, we're not going to give you one Check It Out topic. We're going to give you two. And the second part of that Check It Out is a, going to be talking about a new independent craft beer documentary that we'll be releasing this fall that I think anyone who's really digging craft beer will really enjoy, you know, might get a kick out of uh, helping out this independent filmmaker and, and purchase their, you know, pre-purchase their film for a very reasonable price uh, that... Well, we'll talk about that and check it out. And, of course, we have our Tasty Notes segment we already mentioned. All right, John. You know what? Uh, as I already mentioned, my mouth is getting dry. I'm starting to spit up all over my mic. I need to wet my whistle. And uh, while I do that, why don't you uh, talk about what you're tasting today or what you're drinking? All right. So <clears throat> for, I think, the first time ever at the start of the show, we're mm-hmm. both drinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, what what we've got in our glasses is a Belgian dark strong uh, called the Loose Cannon mm-hmm. that you and I brewed together last summer yeah. uh, when you were visiting out here. Um, it's a big beer. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think it ended up like nine percent, something like okay. that. Okay, that's good. That's nine solid. Yeah. Um, big fruit character in this yes. thing. Yes. Um, Early on, it, it was tasting really sweet. There's still some of that sweetness uh, left, but it's it's subsided a little bit with age. So um, I think I'm going to start drinking this uh, a lot <laughs> more, more heavily now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, just to – it's uh, this was a surprise for me. John wanted to help me celebrate our 21st episode by delivering – uh, of care package to my house. He didn't hand deliver it. He, you know, he sent it through, the sh- through some shipping oh, method. That would have been way better. But if he would have hand shipped <laughs> it, oh my gosh! It I mean, if he would have been here and, he- and 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 rang the doorbell and handed me this beer, uh, it would be just perfect. But hey, I'm not complaining. I'm grateful that he uh, took the time and effort to send me some some beer, and uh, he sent me two of these loose cannons that I've been dying to try since August when we brewed it, and. Uh, I was, I was, I don't know. I'm just kind of giddy. I'm really, if you can't tell, I'm excited today for this show. Not, not only because it's 21st first episode. First time ever. Yeah, Is first it? time, first time ever. <laughs> but uh, let me be honest with you. Uh, all the stuff that John was talking before, I was really nervous about our beer. I was like, oh man, I hope it tastes okay. And then I popped it open and started drinking it. And yeah, there's a little bit of sweetness still that that can be knocked down just like one level. But oh my gosh, the 
the dark fruit flavors that I expect out of a of a real good Belgian dark strong ale, perfect. The flavors are incredible, and I never imagined we'd get that kind of flavor when we were cooking it up. Because, I mean, it, I mean, I, I trusted John. He, you know, he said, you know, he knew what he's doing. But man, he really knew what he's doing, and I, I can't wait for this beer to age a little bit more. I think, John, I think you're going to have a, a winner. I think you might. You might even, if it, if it ages just right, you might even have a medal winner at your next uh, homebrew competition. What do you think about that? Uh, I'll enter it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm enjoying it. I've I only have a few sips left of this, and like John says, like a nine. He's guessing about nine percent. It uh, it goes down pretty pretty. Uh, pretty easily. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it. Uh, it's not easy to drink. It's pretty easy. Although, I wouldn't want to drink too many because I. I think I'd definitely be getting uh, a big buzz on. So. Well, then you could just move on to the Russian. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so John also added two Russian Imperial style. He had them coated. One was called LC. Uh, I, I assume that was for loose cannon. The other one was RIS, which. Hey, and my there's only one thing that that ever stands for, and that's Russian Imperial Stout. So that was not very, you know, not very encrypted. But I was like, all right, this is <laughs> he knows my style. He knows I love Russian Imperial Stout. So uh, he's a he's a good friend. Thank you, John. And and those are these are definitely my noteworthy beers uh, for sure. But John, uh, you haven't, you know, I've noticed that you have not been on Untapped for the last few weeks. I've been very sad to see that you've been a recluse, not even much on social media. You've just been, like, keeping to yourself. So from what I understand, you don't really have any new and noteworthy beers to discuss this week. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. I had a lot of craziness with the kids here at the house, and so I've been drinking a lot of homebrew. Okay. Uh, clearing, clearing out some kegs to make room for new beers and um but so in, in terms of the craft stuff I've, i haven't uh had had too much okay but, uh, I, I doubt that'll that trend will hold okay so. good good <laughs> uh i noticed on twitter that you were emptying a keg and you were bottling up some beers what beer were you bottling up that that night when you were emptying that keg out so i did two i emptied two kegs that night um one of which was the russian that i sent to you okay other uh, one was the two-year-old barley wine that was still sitting around uh, <laughs> up keg space, what? and I decided it needed to get into the bottle. Okay, so. okay. Is it the same barley wine that I have a bottle of, or is that what? What? What's the beer I have a bottle? You said don't drink until I tell you to drink it. It's been over oh, two yeah. years. That's another barley wine that <laughs> I really should. I, I've I've just been afraid to open another bottle. Uh, the, <laughs> it, it was so bad. Okay. Okay. Early on, uh, by the, um, but uh, yeah, this is a different one uh, that I just brewed a new version of this year. Uh, so I've got the new barley wine and a keg in there, and so I had two kegs of this barley wine. I was like, this needs to change. So I bottled up what was left, so I can work through that and do some side by sides and have some fun with it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, I just want to let you know, I still have that barley wine sitting in my cellar waiting for you to give me the magic word to say, yeah, drink it. And it's been, John, it's been like, it's been over two years, right? I've been holding this yeah. thing. So it's got to yeah, be getting so that ready. One, <laughs> that one's like three, three and a half years old. Oh my gosh. Okay. 
I, I've got one in the fridge, like ready to go. I've just been nervous about doing it. So okay. I, I'll do it. I'll do it this week. I'm gonna okay. do it. I'm committing myself. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, once I get the word, I will crack it open that same week you crack yours and, and I'll give you my tasting notes on it. So, all right. And if I'm a little harsh, you know that, you know, you already know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I also don't have anything super special. I just wanted to mention a couple things. Uh, one thing is there's two breweries that don't usually come to, well, I haven't come to Boise that I've got to taste this week. One is Alpine from California. And I had two beers, two, uh, one pale and one, uh, IPA from them, and uh, both beers were really good. One was a rye IPA, which was fantastic. I really enjoyed that one, the Nelson. Have you had any Alpine beers, John? Do you have a Nelson by any chance? Uh, I don't think I've had any Alpine, um, but and they were acquired by Green Flash, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, that's which right. We get yeah. a lot of out here. So. Okay, 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 good. So, um, yeah, so which you know what it. It doesn't surprise me that Green Flash would pick up that brewery because they have a lot of things in common with the with their beer because Green Flash has a lot of hoppy beers, and both these were, were pretty hoppy, although both of them were uh, different in the in the styles, right? The, the Pale Ale wasn't anything like the IPA. It was like two completely different styles of beer. I mean, they are different styles, but I mean, flavor-wise, as far as the hops, completely different, and I really appreciated both flavor profiles and the... The pale ale was called the hap, the Happy Birthday. Uh, it was pretty good. I I enjoyed both beers. I had that on a last Friday at a uh, payday beer club. Although it wasn't payday, it was like a mid payday beer club thing. We got together and had some beers. And the other uh, California brewery that I hadn't had any until I went to Israel was Almanac Almanac Beer Company out of uh, Northern California, I believe in San Jose. I think they're at yeah San Jose. And um, I really enjoyed the Almanac beer I had when I was visiting Israel during my bottle share. Or it was not really a bottle share. It was kind of it was a bottle sharing. It was a beer tasting uh, group that we I went to. Uh, I really enjoyed that Almanac. So I saw that they came and I picked up. There was, I believe there was six different beers they had. Of course, these beers were expensive. Uh, I mean, they, they were anywhere like for, I got a 16-ounce bottle for $10.00. And I got another 22-ounce bottle for $10, or maybe it was $12. And then a couple more. I got three, two more. I think I got four this trip. But the other ones were like $7.99 or $8.99. So they're, they're pretty expensive. Uh, but, again, for me, it's worth it for me to try to pick up as many as I can because we don't get them in our area very often. I want to try everything I can. So the first two I tried, I two of the four I tried was the... Dolores um, Saison, I believe, Farmhouse L, pretty good. Uh, I enjoy Saisons, and, and there was nothing disappointing about that beer. And the other one I had was a was a, a Goes. Um, and you know what? Right now I can't think of the name, but it was very good. Uh, I what amazes me about a good Goes is how they can take that tartness. It's a tart beer typically, and they throw in salt. And they threw in sea salt in this one. And that salt, you can kind of get that, the salt kind of tones down that tartness, I guess. I don't, I, I'm assuming that's what it does. And it gives you a little bit of that sea salt or salt uh, 
feeling in the back, but it's not like salty. It's just like kind of cuts some of the the sharpness of the tartness. I mean, it was like a perfect balance between the two. Uh, I really appreciate that. Have you, John? Have you had many Almanac beers or any Almanac beers? I have. Uh, they started distributing here uh, about two years ago, mm-hmm. and the first couple that I picked up uh, just didn't really do it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember which two those were now. Um, but since then, uh, I started to get my trust back uh, <laughs> with some of the stuff I have. And I've, I've got uh, one of their, I think it's their cherry sour uh, okay. sitting in my fridge waiting okay. um, for somebody to share it with. So, <laughs> All right. Yep, I'll be there this weekend. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I, I picked up their sp- uh, special reserve one. It's a, a strawberry sour that's a like a that was that 16 ounce bottle that was like 10 bucks or something. It was pretty expensive, but, uh, yeah, uh, I had, I had one in Israel that I think it had orange. It was like an orange one. Um, and it was really good. I'm looking forward to these. Uh, I also, I also have Valencia gold, which is a new one. It has orange blossom, something in it and a bunch of different things that are, you know, really unique ingredients ad adjuncts to put in there, uh, that, that I'm looking forward to trying and I want to go get those other two bottles. It just, you know, I basically, I bought those four plus two pints of, uh, on tap beer. And then I brought the, the Runation 2.0, which I haven't tried yet. Uh, that was, that was 70 bucks for like six beers. Uh, I mean, well, six bottles of beer and two pints of beer that I drank while I was there. So I didn't want to go and get those other two ten ounce ten ten dollar bottles because that would have brought it almost to a hundred dollars. I didn't want Sarah to kill me. <laughs> so, uh, so that that was the new stuff. And then one other beer that I I mentioned that last episode that I brought back from with me from Israel is from my buddy Ario. Uh, you know he's a brewer from Hadabim Brewery in Tel Aviv, and he gave me uh, two beers. But the one I I, I tried on my own is called paradox. It's a black IPA. And anyone that's listened to me on the show knows that I really enjoy a certain style of black IPAs that John says is more like an American stout. Uh, and this is perfect. The, the multi, the maltiness that's in it, the roasted malt, uh, is just enough that gives you that, that toasty flavor. Uh, and the darkness was like black, like black, black, dark it was i mean everything was was perfect about this beer i just got to give two thumbs up uh to ario and his brewery uh, f- again fantastic beer that i wish that i could share with more of my friends uh because you know i want them to be able to enjoy the the great handcrafted beer brewing going on in israel so thank you ario and that's uh, that's my new noteworthy that's pretty much it uh, didn't mean to drag on too much, but hey, I love talking about beer, and that's what we are. We're a beer show, so we might as well talk about it. Okay, so we have a few listener questions, all from the same great listener, TPS Sponge. I'll call, we'll call him Robert. And the first question is, how does beer trading work, and is there a risk? And uh, basically, you know, hey, you know what, John? I've been talking a lot. You want to you know, talk about beer trading or you want me just to say what it is basically? Sure. I'll I'll take it. Okay. Um, So beer trading is basically a way for people to uh, get beers that aren't in their area by 
providing beers that are uh, you know, maybe exclusive to their area or not widely distributed to those folks outside their area. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a way to for everybody to to get get the good beer, um, you know, and you package it up and and ship it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you get a package just like Danny did today, um, arriving on your doorstep with some beer in it. Um, in terms of risks, uh, you know, there's always a risk dealing with uh, people that you may not know. Um, I know. I know there are a lot of forums and things to do beer trading. Uh, you know, you don't know if you know the the beer is actually coming back your way when mm-hmm. you send something out. Um, there's also a risk that that person doesn't take care of their beer, yeah, um, as well as you would prefer. And, and when you get it, it's you know spoiled or really oxidized or you know something like that. Um, you know, there's always risk of breakage uh, when you're when you're shipping, um, which uh, you know would wouldn't make anybody happy, obviously. Yeah, um, especially the carrier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, it can be positive. You just gotta kind of know what you're getting into, and kind of have an accept, acceptable level of uh, of that risk. That mm-hmm. hey, you know, there it's possible that I, I won't be getting back exactly what I think I am in the condition I think I am. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, have Have you done any any beer trading other than with people you know? No. Okay. No, I haven't. Yeah, I, I haven't either. I have. You know, I always will bring. I, I love to share beer f- with people that can't get beer. You know, that can't usually get beers that I I have access to. So uh, I've never sh- actually shipped beer, but I I have received beer a couple times now. Now from John and one from another friend, and uh, you know it, it does work. And what I usually do is is I typically will just hand deliver my beer when I come by and visit. So I you know I, I hand delivered some beers to our buddy Lefty Brown from the Married Gamers podcast. Uh, you know he shipped me some uh, Fresno beers, and uh, I repaid the the gift by when I went and did my my tour of, of Northern California. I stopped by his place and brought him a whole care package of beers that that he would not be able to get otherwise. And same thing with John. John and I meet. And we always trade beers that uh, you know that uh, you know that we can we can't either you know a lot of those Fremont beers and those uh, Airway beers that I can't get here in my area he he uh, gifts those to me and I I will gift him you know some of the Payette and and uh, Sockeye and other beers that don't travel too far away from the local area so beer trading can be great among friends. But I, like John said, there's a huge risk because you don't know what you're getting if you're even gonna get it, and uh, if you're gonna trust a total stranger, uh, you may want to start with something small, like like you know, not a prized bottle or something, maybe something that, you know, that that someone else wants, but uh, you know, in in return, what you want that, you know, hopefully it'll it'll work out, and then you can move on to bigger and better things. But I know that I have friends on Instagram and on Untap that live outside the country. In fact, there's one guy called Ryan. He lives in Canada and uh, he trades with people in the U S all the time to get beers. That he can't get in Canada. And I, I wanted to send him beer, but I started to try to research how to send beer to Canada. I'm like, yeah, that's ridiculous. It's like, it's too much effort for, <laughs> for me to try to, you know, to, uh, you know, get things packaged up and, and get it to, to Canada. So I, I never followed through on, uh, on it, which probably makes me a bad person, but 
I, I'm not one for too much risk either. I, it took me a long time just to travel with my beer on an airline. So you know, it's going to take <laughs> me a little bit. Now that John sent me beer, I'm going to uh, uh, save his packaging that he sent it in. I'm going to I'm going to repurpose it to send him back some beer uh, because you know he already you know got all the stuff prepped for me. So it makes it easier. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> If I'd known, I would have done this to so many. I know, yeah. Ago. See, I'm, it's it's all about uh, incentive. You, you now you have incentive. So, all right. Well, that's a great question, Robert. Let's move on to his second question. He says, "What are your thoughts of untapped users that don't post pictures and have twenty logins at once?" And uh, you know what that uh, that really can get uh, frustrating. And I think the key is is to to have friends on your untapped uh, friends list that don't do that kind of thing, right? Have ones that you actually appreciate what they post and get ideas from their their tastings and that, that really care about the whole experience, not people that just want to game the system. And I think there's a lot of people, especially early on with untapped, that really like to play the game. And they just want to get as many check-ins as they want, whether they're real or not. And I'm not saying they're not real, but it's, it becomes a little suspect when there's, you know, 20, 20 check-ins at a time and no pictures. you got to at least have some, you know, one or two thrown in there that show that, yeah, I actually drank a beer. If you just you don't have that, that means you didn't care enough and you're just kind of, you know, you're trying to game the system. Um, but then there are people that are on my friends list that really do drink a lot of beers. Now, they may not drink full beers. They're usually sharing beers at a bottle sharing and they're only getting samples of it. But you know what? It's still, you know, at least they'll post pictures along with what they're they're doing. So you know that this is not just a spamming of your timeline. Um, so you got to have a, a fine balance. I think, Robert, if you... Um, are frustrated with the people that, that are spamming your timeline? I, hey, remove them. Uh, you know, because there's enough good people out there that are sharing good beers, like myself and John, and uh, you know, a lot of the the people that that we follow. Uh, I, I mean, I've got a lot of people that I like to to see what they post and I, I comment. And that's the other thing. If you're really going to be a good untapped user, um, it it pays. It really pays off to go and make some comments on some of the people that you're following uh, beer selections and what they're tasting and give, you know, give feedback if you liked it or what, you know, if you, they didn't, they didn't like something, you get more information on it. I mean, untapped is a great resource and I think you should only really have the people on there that you're following that are able and willing to interact with you and give you feedback uh, also, because that's the key to it is you want to make a good informed decision on your, your beer tasting purchase or your beer purchases and uh if people are just using it just to you know spam beer on there then that, yeah that's not the the right way of doing it what do you think john you have any any uh, uh pros and cons of things that you like or dislike about uh you know some untapped users so i'm totally guilty of this exact example um of spamming <laughs> that, that he lays out <laughs> um but it's it's usually uh i'm at you know a, a a beer fest or something like that, you know, I maybe, uh, the internet isn't that great, you know, in, inside whatever arena or something or out in the, at the park or, mm -hmm. you know, um, but usually I'll be like keeping notes, um, on whatever little program and out to you when you get there, you know, where the breweries are and all that kind of stuff. I'll be keeping notes on there about, you know, what I liked or didn't like and, 
then it depends on how drunk I get about how fast and furious the check-ins come once mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I have access to internet in a little time. Um, and I don't always remember to attach the pictures that I'm taking or um, feel like I want to write a comment. <laughs> so, um, But I'd be prepped to answer on most of it if anybody yeah. asked. So, um, yeah. But that, that only happens, you know, three or four times a year if yeah. I'm hit, hitting the festivals and it'll happen again in about a month here. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do this um, probably a couple of times. And, and, you know, you know, John, that's acceptable though. I, you know, people that follow you know that that's not a typical thing. You're not doing that every week. It's uh, you know, like you said, three or four times a, a week, uh, a year. And I think that's, that's okay because you know, you I'm glad they, I have your blessing. Yeah, no, <laughs> they understand that you're at a a festival, right? Because typically, you'll you'll link to the the location, right? And it says beer fest or whatever, you know, Elysian Pumpkin Brew Fest or what, you know. You'll, you'll usually link to the location you're at, and people will say, "Oh, he's at the the Homebrewers Conference," or "He's at uh, you know this this beer fest," and and so they know that oh, he's at a beer fest and he's posting stuff. That's. I don't think people have an issue with that. It's, yeah, but it's, I, I think that can be easily missed, though, because usually if I'm doing that, I will link for, at least for the first few, and then I might get lazy. Yeah, on doing the location, and if if I'm posting a lot of stuff, that could already be those initial posts could already be off your t- front page timeline. That's true. So you know, I, I'd say if if somebody's doing that, I mean, all the time. Obviously, they're not a, at a beer festival every yeah, day or yeah, every weekend, yeah. you know, um, or some kind of event like that, but. You know, if if it's a a random thing and like, oh, why am I suddenly seeing all these posts? Well, you know, scroll down a little bit because maybe they're at a cool event that you might want to know more about or something true, like that. True, true. So. Yeah, good advice. Good advice. Well, hey, another great question, Robert. Uh, you you, you spawn some uh, back and forth between John and I. You know, we both agree that there's a, there's a there's a time and a place for spamming, and then there's a time and place for not spamming. So uh, that was good. I like that question. All right. The last thing is uh, is a question, but it's also a story, and I hope that Robert wasn't drunk when he sent me this because uh, you know he said to, it's a question, so I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, and I hope that anyone is uh, uh, is not too embarrassed by the the, con- the 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 stuff in here because it's just it's kind of funny and it makes a point that we'll get to here in a minute. <laughs> So his his last question is, I have been enjoying an array of beers for a time now and only found out the hard way that wheat beers have an effect on me and not in a good way, but in the worst way possible. They give me the farts and at times the shits. And on my last beer tour, I had an accident. I thought it was only a fart. Nope. It came with a surprise. Yes, I sharded myself. So from now on, wheat beers will only be consumed at home. And he's asked, do you have any styles of beers that affect you in any way? Any good stories? Do tell. So, John, um, do wheat beers affect you? (laughs) Uh, No, I I don't have a problem with any uh, particular styles. Mm -hmm. Um, I know people who have issues with wheat beer. And and will not drink them even at home. Really? Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, but you know, I I could count on one hand, you know, the number of people that is. Uh, 
but and I, I also have not uh I don't have any good good stories in that regards. I mean, because I, I don't have a problem yeah with it, I guess. Um but yeah, how about you? Any okay. uh styles uh affect you? <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty uh, I have a pretty solid system that even uh, most homebrews uh, don't affect me. Uh, I think it's because I have a pretty good yeast uh, base in my stomach that just doesn't, I mean, I, I, that, it doesn't bother me at all. So I don't have any stories like that. But, hey, I can't, I can't leave Robert alone in the storytelling. So I will tell a couple embarrassing moments in my life uh, after uh, drinking uh, heavily. Uh, one was when I was visiting some friends over Veterans Day holiday in Ohio, Marietta, Ohio, and uh, we—I uh, was back then. I was in the military, and I was stationed in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And Virginia Beach to Marietta is—I think it's about an eight-hour drive. I think that's about right, if I remember correctly. And we jumped in the car and we drove out there for the three-day weekend. And we got back to my buddies. Uh, place with all his friends and we uh, for the Saturday night we went down to the river and had a big bonfire and at the bonfire we had a number of, of things we had a bottle of something we were drinking and we had uh, we had as probably five cases at least five cases of Milwaukee's best light like the light version, beast. the beast light, beast light. <laughs> and uh, at this time in my life, because I'm from the West Coast, I had never had Milwaukee's best because it's not really a West Coast beer. It's mostly a you know East Coast and Midwest type thing. So I started sucking these things down, and it was literally like drinking water. And I didn't realize until, uh, well, you know what? I didn't realize until next morning when. I somehow passed out on the river shore at this bonfire with a bunch of strangers that I didn't know besides my buddy that I came with. Uh, somehow he carried me up to his car and set me in the back. Uh, I guess on the way back from the river to his place, his, his mom's house, uh, I threw up all over uh, the inside and outside and of his car, which I felt really bad. Then he drags me into the house after I've already made a mess of his car. And then, and of course, I'm oblivious to all this, which is, this is not uh, responsible drinking, by the way. I'm not condoning my actions. I'm just telling a story that I'm not all that proud of because, you know, it happens, right? It happens. Uh, I'll stop taking notes then. I was getting okay, ready to okay. reproduce it. I, I don't even, all, all this is, a, I don't remember any of this, right? I am completely blacked out. Uh, it wasn't until the next morning when I wake up and I'm literally on, I think, his sister's bed or something, and I'm just got puke all over me. And I felt about one millimeter tall. I was so embarrassed that I made such a fool of myself because uh, I'm not an inexperienced drinker. It's just that that freaking beer kicked my ass. I don't know what happened. I drank so much of it that. I must have drank a lot to black out um, and make a mess of everything. So, yeah, that's one embarrassing story. The other embarrassing story, I'll tell two because Robert told one, and I'll, I'll, I'll one-up him. I'll tell him one more. And I I think I probably told this on the 40Cast, if you're any long-time 40Cast listeners. But uh, when I was, again, another Navy story, uh, this is when I was a little bit older. I already had, uh, I think I had 
both my kids at this time, so I'm a, I'm already pretty mature. And uh, again, it was a Saturday. Uh, we were on base housing. I was drinking uh, all day, just enjoying my my weekend off. And I, my buddy across the street, who also served on the the submarine with me, uh, he he had just bought his wife a new Lincoln Continental uh, car. It wasn't brand new; it was a used one, but it was a nice one that had the works. It had uh, power windows, steering, air conditioning, you know, all the things that none of our cars back then had. And I was like, wow, I never even had a car that had power windows before. And I was in the back seat waiting for his wife was uh, was getting ready. You know, she just got back from work and she was just kind of priming up. We we're going to go out to dinner. Uh, and then I, my wife and I were in the back seat and I was playing with these these power windows. I was just like, wow, these are great. And being kind of the engineering type that I was that likes to figure out how things work and understand it, I thought, you know what? What would happen if a kid stuck his head in here and the window was going up? Would it just cut his head off or would it actually stop? There's got to be some safety switches inside this car. Nobody would design this big fancy car and not put a way to keep kids' heads from popping off if somebody were to shut the window on them. So, of course, I wasn't all there in my right mind. I was drinking and I decided that I was going to test this theory out by not putting a tennis ball or something in the window, but putting my head in the window. So I leaned my head with, you know, just, you know, the window right above my ears. And I started slowly raising the window until it touched the the window to the, the top of the seal. And then I said, okay, well, let me see a little bit longer. I pushed a little bit longer until I heard a crack. And the crack was my skull cracking. And the scream that came out of my head was... My was me telling my wife to please roll the window down because my head's about to explode. And I found out the hard way that Lincoln Continentals back in the uh, 80s did not have safety switches to keep uh, someone's head from popping. Um, so another embarrassing story that uh, you've learned on episode 21 of Tap the Craft. So, John, I know you don't have any gross stories, but do you have anything that... Re- that even comes close to the stories that Robert and I have told. Uh, no, okay. I don't. Okay. All right. Well, we're, we're <laughs> at in least the... not that I'm uh, going to share tonight. <laughs> okay. All right. We're in the elite then you're, uh, you're left out, uh, on the curb on that, that topic then. I, I'm okay with that today. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you, Robert, for sharing. And I hope we didn't share too much about ourselves to our listeners. If we did, please write to us either at tap the at gmail.com or on our Twitter I tapped the craft. All right. Hey, let's get into the brew buzz segment. Are you ready for that, John? Absolutely. All right, because I am just talking like a – this is going to be like a two-hour show. So just – hey, listeners, I'm warning you. We've got another hour to go, so just stay with us. Don't, don't, don't leave yet. The fun is still yet to come. Okay. Well, the brew buzz segment, for anyone new listening to our podcast, is – Basically, a segment devoted to talking about anything about craft beer, any kind of topic at all. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, we, if you go back to listen to our old shows, we got brewing, you know, 101, all kinds of the different, you know, uh, uh, processes of brewing and the different steps. And we have, uh, you know, all kinds of different things, glassware and, and, and such. So this episode, though, we're going to focus on the topic of bottle sharing, bottle sharing 101. And... Uh, what is bottle sharing? Well, bottle sharing basically 
is a gathering of craft beer lovers who bring bottles of beer to share in a group. And typically, they're going to be hard to find or unique offerings of beer. They're not going to be anything you can normally get just at the the you know the local grocery store. They're not going to get your 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 Widmer Brothers Hefeweizen or uh, your Red Hook ESB or whatever. It's going to be something that's going to be more unique, more difficult to get. Uh, it could also be a different, you know, it could be a different style that people aren't used to drinking. It could be a sour, right? You could have, uh, you know, bring a bunch of sour beers so people could try sours if they're not used to drinking sours. Um, again, most often this is a, a special event. It's not, it doesn't happen every weekend, right? This is something that gets planned. It might be once or twice a year or maybe once a quarter, maybe every three months you decide that you want to get together and you want to have some kind of a special beer tasting uh, party with your friends. And again, it's a bottle sharing. So everyone's going to bring beer to it. You're not going to supply, the host's not going to supply all the beer. It's going to be people bringing bottles to share. And uh, let's see, what else do I got here? Uh, and again, people are going to know in advance. And typically it's with close friends, but you can also uh, do this w- through uh means of the internet, right? There's, I'm sure there's different Craigslist and different forums and stuff that, that organize these bottle shares, and I'm sure you can do that. But I think at starting, you should probably do it with a group of friends. That's probably going to be the best experience because you don't want to just go a bunch of strangers. You don't know. Again, there's a lot of risk there. Um, okay, so honestly, I don't know if there's any real set rules for bottle sharing, but um, I just kind of threw together a few uh, different types of events that you might have. And John, uh, again, I don't want to talk too much. Do you want to go ahead and cover the, the first type of event you might have in, in a bottle sharing uh, event? Sure. Uh, I think uh, one of the most obvious ones would be kind of a, to do a specific style mm-hmm. uh, for the event. Um, and, you know, this is very similar to what we do with our, you know, uh, monthly beer tasting you know it's a way to get people together drinking very similar beers you can kind of see the new different nuances of the style um, and talk about it and it you know will enhance everybody's you know vocabulary mm-hmm. um, and it's especially you know convenient when you've got different examples um, because it's, uh, you can kind of pick things out that um, you know, maybe more present in one beer and, and not in another, uh, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> but it, you know, everybody would be asked to bring a, a beer, um, of a specific style. Uh, I, I've seen where some people have you kind of claim a beer, um, mm-hmm. so that you don't get a bunch of duplicates. Um, you know, that can be very, uh, helpful, especially if you're all, you know, local and tend to shop in the same places, you yeah. know, you could end up with, uh, everybody showing up with the same beer and, and, just having a party, which I guess isn't so bad, but you know, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't uh, be what you were shooting for. Um, uh, but, you know, and kind of uh, to cover for kind of all of these, um, you know, different types of events, um, you know, for, for a smaller group, uh, you might have uh, 22 ounce bottles, uh, you know, everybody brings a, a bomber or, um, or for if you have a larger uh, or want to have larger samples, um, a six pack. Um, you know, if you, if you got a bigger group, you probably want everybody to bring a six pack mm-hmm. uh, to make sure everybody can can try some. Um, 
of each beer. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, again, the biggest, the biggest thing for this is, is you get to try, you know, multiple beers across the same style. And, uh, you know, cause you may have had a beer, uh, that, that falls in that style. Maybe it wasn't for you, but maybe that beer was more of an outlier, you know, than, mm-hmm. than the norm. And maybe you realize, Oh, I actually do like, you know, wheat beers, even though they make me shart. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> No, that's a good point is that, uh, yeah, someone may try a style that just doesn't agree with them. And they then they get this this mindset that, man, loggers, all loggers suck because I had this one and I just didn't like it. So I'm staying away from loggers. Well, geez, if you listen to John and I on this, on this show at all, you know that there's so many varieties of loggers. And even within the same category of, of lager that – you know, two different companies could brew a totally different beer that, that some may like and some may not like. So, yeah, John, that's a great point that uh, that this type of bottle-sharing event can really uh, bring out uh, more exposure to the style that you, you may not have gotten if by just drinking one or two beers. You may be able to find at least one or two that you really enjoy out of, out of the, the group that you know, maybe you don't like the majority of them, but you might find a few that you do like, and you wouldn't have got that experience if you didn't have someone else bringing a beer for you to taste. So yeah, that's good. Uh, another one is, uh, again, it kind of goes the same thing as it's region specific, you know, gosh, here in the United States, uh, we have a lot, even within the United States, we can, re- we can separate the regions in the different areas, West coast versus East coast versus Midwest. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different, regions that do things a little bit different you can't you know it's hard to compare a a west coast ipa with an east coast ipa because typically there is a a a difference in the the flavor and the style so you can do a region specific anywhere from like regions of the united states or even going over and doing german beers or belgian beers or english beers or any other type of region specific offering and that will allow people to go out outside of their norm and try things that they wouldn't necessarily try. And and also, if people bring beers to the party of a region that they know is a really good one, it gives the, the people that are in that party and that bottle-sharing group an opportunity to taste a good beer from that region and not you know, something that's, that they may have had before that wasn't all that good and, and give them another positive um, thing to go off of for, for those uh, beers. Yeah, and I, I think for... The different regions, especially, uh, you know, some of the, the imports. I think this is a great opportunity to, to try a bunch of these. I, I know personally I, I can be a little gun shy in, in pulling the trigger on some of these imports because they, they do tend to be a little pricier. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes a lot more to get them to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if everybody just has to, you know, pony up for one, then you you can uh, get, get a pretty good experience, uh, you know, without – having to break the bank on, on trying to learn about German beers, you yeah. know, or, or something similar. So, yeah, no, I agree. All right, John, you want to cover the last, then, uh, event? Yes. Uh, so another, uh, one that you could do, which, uh, is kind of the, almost like the local beer trading, uh, mm-hmm. that, that we talked about would be, you know, kind of hard to get, you know, special beers, um, which could be, you know, yearly one-offs or, or something like that. Uh, everybody brings, you know, something that, 
that is hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be something from your your own seller that that you've been saving, or you know something that's just been released. Um, and you know, I, I think these you could uh, kind of pull in a, a wider audience um, or, or you know, a bigger or folks from a, a bigger area, I should say that, mm-hmm. and and that would help also with kind of the diversity of the the special beers that that you get. Um, and you know, one one way to do it is, uh, you know, maybe you could even have people bring a couple and you share one, and everybody gets to take a bottle home or something to to share with people in there. Oh area. yeah, nice kind of, kind of deal. Like bring bring the the beer, you know, back home with them. Um. But uh, a lot of these special beers tend to also be high gravity, so it's <laughs> another way to to try to try a bunch of different beers without uh, getting too uh, <laughs> drunk off uh, off your own one uh, yeah. that, that you'd otherwise have. Yeah. So. No, good. Yeah, those are good points because uh, you know a lot of time. Like I've already mentioned that in a previous episode where I. You know, I tried to drink this 22-ounce bottle, and I suffered through it. But you know what? It would have been great in a small sampling. And if I could have shared that bottle with four or five other people, and I only had, you know, three ounces, uh, three ounces is enough to enjoy the beer without letting it overtake my my system. And drinking 22 ounces uh, was definitely was hard. So, yeah, get give some of those uh, – get an opportunity to drink those high-gravity beers without having to get – you know, get ripped doing it. <laughs> okay, so we kind of already mentioned a few, you know, if you listen to what we just said about describing these different types of events that you might run into, and and I'm sure there's more. These are just three that, that I thought of off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's more different types. But um, there's some pros and cons that can go along with bottle sharing in general. And uh, the pros, just start with the, the good stuff. The pros is, hey, you get to share great beers with your friends. Nothing's better than for you to be able to bring something special to the group and let them try it and get the enjoyment, you know, see the enjoyment that they are getting from that beer. Uh, that's a great feeling. It makes you feel good. Everyone's, you know, enjoying the time. So there's a, that's a, a definite positive. It also gives you the opportunity to try new, unique, or special beers that would uh, you know, otherwise be unavailable to you to try. If somebody, uh, you know, was visiting the Midwest and on their way back they decide to bring a bunch of special beers we can't get in your area, hey, that's that's unique. That that's something that you may have never experienced uh, without that. So it, another great uh, pro. And again, we just mentioned you don't have to drink that high octane beer alone. You know, you don't, you know, enjoying craft beer. Uh, and craft beer that is, you know, a lot of craft beer is higher alcohol volume. Um, but you, know, you can enjoy craft beer without feeling like a burden of drinking something that, you know, you, you don't want to waste it. It costs a lot of money. And if it's a really high octane, it can really kind of mess you up pretty quick. So it's it's a nice way of sharing those higher octane beers. And, of course, again, we already mentioned you get exposure to beer styles, or beer regions that you may not have, have otherwise had. And John, you want to cover the cons real quick? Sure. So, uh, you know, one one that we mentioned uh, already is uh, making sure everybody can can get you know just a sample and ho- hopefully a, <laughs> yeah. a, good, a good size sample that they that they can uh, actually uh, get a good 
feel for the beer. Um, you know, you, you run the risk of uh, only getting a very small pour um, that really may not be enough to to assess the beer. Yeah. Um, you know, some beers you want to kind of experience as they warm. Yeah. It, it'll kind of go through different stages or, or something like that, which you could do if you have, you know, three, four ounces of it. Um, but if you're only getting, uh, you know, about an ounce, well, that might, might only be enough for, for one taste. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that can be tough. And that, that kind of comes back to whoever's organizing the event to make yeah. sure that everybody knows, you know, how much to bring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, kind of on the, on the flip side of that, uh, you, you could end up with too, too much beer, which sounds like it, it's not a con at all. Um, but if there's too much, you could be rushing to, to try to either make sure you get something before it's gone or, um, you know, find yourself having to, to dump, uh, you know, beer mm-hmm. uh, that maybe you're enjoying, um, but you want to make sure you can try the next thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, so, you know, it, it, it can be, can be tough. And I think part of some of this will probably just come with uh, experience of, of doing these types of events and, and knowing the right, finding the right amount of people and the right amount of beer that, that suits your particular group. Yeah. Um, cause I'm sure every group kind of will have its own rhythm. For, yeah. for these types. So, yeah, yeah, of course. And these are easily avoidable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you if you plan ahead, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good. There's there's also some etiquette involved in in doing these bottle shares. And you need to be aware if you do decide to show up at a bottle sharing that you keep these things in mind, the do's and don'ts of bottle sharing. And the first up first off is hey, show up on time. You know what? Everyone's waiting. And you don't want to either. You don't want to keep them waiting for you, you know, for you to show up uh, because they know that you know. Hey, everyone wants to get their their taste. Uh, and you also, if they decide to start without you, you don't want to miss out on an offering that they that might be there. So hey, show up on time. You know, set your clock, get there on time. Don't be uh, what do they call that when you're uh, you're late? Uh, I can't think right now. I got too much loose cannon on my mind. But uh, fashionably late. Don't you don't want to be fashionably late? You want to be right on time. That's what you want. Also, hey, don't skimp on the beer. Bring a really good beer. Bring a beer that you want people to enjoy. You want to get excitement stirred up, and you want to hear get the you know the, the conversation going. Nothing's worse than if you come and you bring something that everyone's already had, or something that you know nobody likes but you. You know, think about the party you're you're going to, and bring good beer. Uh, that that's definitely a, a do. Also, like John mentioned, bring enough for the size of the party. Get you know, talk to the host, find out how many people are coming, and make sure you bring enough beer. Uh, you know, you 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 can always bring more and just take it back with you, or get like John said, give it away to the people there to to have a bigger sample when they get home. But uh, but make sure you have enough, and uh, you know. If it's depending on the party, you know, there, there may be some hosts that will actually have enough glassware, but don't count on the host supplying the glass. Uh, you, you know, do them a favor and bring your own glass. So you're not forced to drink out of a wine glass or out of a grapefruit drag, you know, some kind of a grape jelly jar glass or something. You know, bring your own. And in case you need it, you'll have a glass to use. That's just, a, you know, an extra thing you can do. And hey, don't be the beer snob that knows everything and belittles or makes other people that may be new to the bottle sharing and to craft beer feel inadequate. You know, help those new 
people to beer out and and be you know show the positive side of of this hobby and and don't be the know-it-all kind of guy and yeah so yeah i think you know not being not being a jerk you know not being that pretentious mm-hmm. And then I think that takes us into some don'ts mm-hmm. um, for the etiquette. You know, you know, don't be that pretentious guy, and don't don't be a jerk about a beer that somebody else brought. You know, it's possible that a bottle that somebody brought could could have a a, a fault in it. Um, mm-hmm. There could be something wrong. Um, don't be quick to point that out until either the person who brought it has even had a chance to taste the beer and realize for themselves <laughs> what has happened. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you don't want to belittle them for something that really might not be their fault. There's a good chance it wasn't their fault mm-hmm. um, that they, they may not even have known. Um, and I mean, you don't want to open somebody else's beer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's It's a bottle share, and that's theirs to share. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, your domain is, is your beer that you brought. Um to, to share with everybody else and, and be gracious with, with what the other people bring for you. Um, and, uh, you know, be, be humble. You know, you're there to share. Um, and you know, don't, don't walk into the room thinking you're, what you've brought is, is the only, uh, great thing there or, or something like that. You know, everybody's there to, to experience all this new stuff. So, Mm um, you know, don't, don't uh, act like your your beer is the show um, <laughs> it, it's not necessarily the case yeah 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 those are some great etiquettes one other thing is that that's not really etiquette but can be helpful uh, you know John mentioned that uh, don't open someone else's beer so it's you know it's kind of if you brought the beer you want to open it you want to share it with the with the group and if you know about the beer then feel free to, to get, let them you know, give them a little bit of background on what, you know, what the beer style or what the, you know, what the brewer, if you have any insight on it, you know, share the story, uh, the story and everything it just makes it more of an experience and, and people get much more out of it than just opening a bunch of beers and drinking. I, I really like to talk about beer when I'm at these type of gatherings and I, and I don't want to, I don't come across like a know-it-all, but I just try to tell a little bit of background just to give people more of a, a story so that they get more attached to the beer and not just drink it like it's just another thing coming down the line. So that's just a, another little helpful hint that I thought about when John was talking about the uh, the don'ts there. So, All right. Well, hey, I think that was a very productive uh, brew buzz segment, and I hope to hear about uh, you know what? All the listeners out there that have experienced bottle sharing, please, why don't you just write in either Twitter or if you want to write more, uh, write into our email address. Hey, let us know about your experiences with bottle sharing. I'd love to 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 get some more insight and to hear positive stories about the, the, what you liked or what you learned and, and things. So, hey, uh, write into us, and I'd like to share those stories uh, on air. And if you don't want to share them on air, just let me know. I'll just enjoy reading them. John and I will enjoy reading them ourselves, but uh, I, we'd love to hear about your experiences. Okay, the next segment is our Check It Out segment, and this is where we will offer up to our listeners websites and podcasts or publications and applications and such that you might find useful in the craft in your craft beer journey. And I just wanted to give an update. To last episode, Jason Lacey, our uh, friend of the show, uh, sent us uh, a link to an article on the physics perfect pour product and we talked about it a little bit in the last episode and i told you guys that once this thing got released 
uh, I would talk more about the details of of the of what it costs to to jump into this pro- product and and maybe some more background on the the actual product. But uh, because we're running a little bit long on time here, I I don't want to talk too much detail. I'll just give you the breakdown. They started an indigo indigo indie what is it Indiegogo. Um, yeah. campaign to raise money and they had this uh, 30 day fundraising campaign it started May 5th and they had a goal of $50,000 and within uh, literally within less than a day 19 hours after they started they were at 34% of their goal with 132 people donating then two days into their their campaign two days into a 30-day campaign they were fully funded in fact overfunded with uh, 400 plus donors and they were i think they were like fifty six thousand dollars in two days uh i think today uh if i look at the website right now they're at seventy thousand dollars with 532 people uh 142 percent funded and still have 24 days left in their campaign so uh, there's some uh, hefty donors that are donating to this product. So let me let's let's talk price now. We let me remind you of what it was. Basically, this gizmo is used to take a uh, a can or bottle of beer, and you it's used to uh, to pour the beer and to create a scientific produced head that has like perfectly aligned bubbles uh in the head to make it like the perfect pour uh if you go to the website i'll have a link on our show notes you will get a lot more detail and and if i wasn't running long i would talk about some of the details but i don't want to talk too details but um it's kind of interesting i would i need to see it in action to really buy it and as john mentioned before on our pre-show talk you know we were talking to each other you know if we could do a side-by-side tasting of a beer poured without this device and one with the device, and we can taste the difference, it might be enough to sell us on it. But right now, without knowing those details, it's without actually having uh, you know personal experience with it, it's hard to swallow the, the, the suggested retail price and even the funding prices. So let me go into that. The suggested retail price is $199. That's 200 bones for this little gizmo. Um, wow. Uh, it seems way high on the price range for me. Uh, just to suggest retail. Yeah, too, too rich for my blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, given that they're right in the beginning phases of their Indiegogo, uh, Indie, Indiegogo campaign, you can buy, for the first 200 early funders, you can fund it for $119 to pre-order it. For an October delivery, so wow, that's a, a pretty significant. That's a forty percent uh, savings right off the bat uh, if you pre-order. Yeah, and, and that and that price is still available as of the time of this recording. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, and that's what's funny is that there's seventy thousand dollars invested, but all of these prizes still have a lot left, or not really prizes, but these. Uh, what do they kind of call perks. it? Like a perk. All these perks yeah. are still available. So that means that people are investing either a lot more money and and only taking one of the prizes or just investing money and not taking any prizes uh, because that's a lot of money and still having all these 
perks available. So, wow. I mean, people are, are really investing in this thing. Um, if you miss out on the first 200, the next level will be 129. So for $10 more, you can still get uh, w one unit for 129 if you miss out on, on the early. And it's free shipping, so you don't have to worry about shipping. They'll ship it to you in October. You can also, uh, if you just want to do a small funding, you can fund $30, and you can receive a 64-ounce stainless steel physics limited edition growler. And uh, you have to add $5 for shipping. Um, so... Uh, you know, so it's thirty-five dollars. Hey, uh, that's not bad. You know, that's a that that is a actually a pretty reasonable price for a stainless steel growler. Um, yeah, that's actually not bad at all. Yes, yeah. So even if you want to, you know, just try to fund them, and only seven people have bought that out of that seventy thousand dollars. So that's pretty small. Then, if you're one of the first hundred early funders, you can pre-order a unit plus a growler. Again, for October delivery for one forty nine. So basically, you're just getting a growler included with your with your order, but you don't have to pay shipping on the growler. So you actually save five dollars if you buy both. So, and if you missed out on that first offering, the next after the hundred, it's one sixty nine. So it's not too bad. But it's still pretty damn expensive in my in my book. Uh, and then there's one other offering that you can do is if you order two units for $238 and you can order four units for $476. Um, that, that that four units is only 20 of those available. And let me see how many are still available. Um, there's 15 of those 20 still available. So, I mean, you, you still have a chance if you really wanted to buy these for all your family members or friends, you could, you can go and spend 500 bucks, get four, um, yeah, seems like pretty, pretty cheap. So that's the physics. Um, I will have a link to the Indie, Indiegogo site on the show notes, which you can find at openforumradio.com. Uh, so, Hey, if you want to learn more, just go f follow us there. The next part of the, the next, check it out. I want to go again, quick on this one. Uh, this is the documentary I mentioned, independent film documentary called Blood, Sweat, and Beer, the movie. And the synopsis of this movie is Blood, Sweat, and Beer is a feature documentary about the explosive growth of the craft beer industry and the or dramatic journeys of two startup breweries. So, wow, it, it, it's already kind of exciting. It, and what's exciting about this movie for me personally is that it's going through the journey of realizing that you're going to open a commercial brewery. Of course, it's not going to be a big brewery, but it's going to be you're going to offer your beer, and it's going to ins and outs of how this startup goes, and you know it's going to be a challenge. There's going to be a lot of things that the people haven't thought about, or and and, and different um, hurdles you got to overcome. That is something that's an insight into that that type of process that you wouldn't get otherwise. And I I'm excited to see see that aspect. And John, I I'm sure you're pretty kind of curious too because one of your dreams is to open your own uh, brewery one day so this might be something that you might be interested in if you haven't already uh, seen it yeah i always like these kind of stories so. yeah yeah so the film follows a trio of 23 year olds so they're young these are young guys as they struggle to start the brew gentleman beer company in Braddock, pennsylvania matt asa 
and Brandon hope their brewery will help this once prosperous steel town bounce back from decades of neglect, violence, and population loss. The film also tells the emotional story of Danny Robinson, a boardwalk brewery owner and restauranteur whose empire is threatened by an aggressive trademark lawsuit that could leave him penniless. Interesting, huh, John? We mentioned these trademark uh, suits from you know before in our show about how you know, the, you got to protect your trademark, and obviously it looks like this guy uh, might be suffering from, from one of those. Yeah, they're becoming more and more common. Yeah. Craft yeah. brewing. So. so basically, it's about four entrepreneurs, two brand new breweries, and one ultimate goal, to quench the thirst of the craft-craving craving masses. So uh, it's a very interesting documentary. There's, uh, you can, it's, it will be released in the fall. So it's not released yet, but they are doing special uh, viewings across the nation. And if you go to their website, again, I'll have a link to their website on our show notes. You can find it at openformradio.com. You can, uh, you can see where those, uh, those viewings are still happening. But it will be released in both uh, digital form and on DVD in, in the fall. But you can pre-order. You can help support these indie filmmakers by pre-ordering the product. You can start with... A pre-order of only four ninety-nine, less than five dollars. You can get the full movie on instant streaming and a HD download for four ninety-nine. That's a that's a great. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. That's that's less than you pay to go to a movie theater, and you can have it for multiple viewings. Right, you never lose it. It's it's a download. Um, this gives you the full movie plus an epilogue. Uh, the epilogue is the one year. Oh wait, the next. Offering is you get the full movie that we just talked about the 499 movie. You also get an epilogue, which is the one year later portion, and uh, short films and brewer stories and deleted scenes and directors and brewers commentary, along with your instant streaming and HD download for 999. So you get a whole lot of extra content for five more dollars, which is again this is a a pretty good offering because you get the full movie plus you get to see what happened after the movie ended one year later you get a, kind of a a synop- you know a summary of what's what's happened after that so that's kind of nice and that's for 9.99 and if you're the person that just doesn't want to do digital media and you you have to have a physical copy in your hand they are selling a DVD physical media version which is a full movie plus deleted scenes plus the director's and brewer's commentary and bonus content for 19.99 and if you are listening to us now, you can save 20% on your pre-order by entering the code BEERME, B-E-E-R-M-E, BEERME, at checkout. You can save 20% off those already low prices. It seems like a no-brainer to me. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I have already pre-ordered the 999 version, and I can't wait for it to be released uh, in the fall. So I just wanted to check that out. Uh, for you guys to go and uh, see if it's something you might want to support. And it's very reasonably priced, in my opinion. What do you think, John? you think this is something you might want to uh, pick up or you want me to, to gift you a, a a version of this? Yeah, I was just looking at it. I just there, I just missed a screening yesterday in Seattle. No! So that was uh, <laughs> you, you, unfortunate timing you, for me learning about it, but... Uh, well, you know, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll definitely be checking this out in some form or fashion. So. Okay. Okay. Well, if you would have looked at the show notes over the weekend, you might have caught it. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, okay. it was Mother's Day. That would have been a hard sell. So. <laughs> what? You don't think you don't think your wife would have enjoyed uh I mean, I know your in-laws wouldn't, but your wife would have for sure, right? She she would have, but uh it it was at a brewery that doesn't allow kids, so oh, okay. have some okay. kind of arrangement. So. Yeah, give it to the the mother-in-law. It's good Mother's yeah. Day gift for. Her. <laughs> Okay, well, that's our check it out segment. Um, hey, two great, uh, well, one great thing in the movie, one possibly great thing that we're still waiting to see if it's you know something that is worth the the money. But I think John and I both agree the the price range on on the physics is a little bit outside of what we're willing to pay. I think if it would have been like a forty nine ninety nine price range, I would have been yep, I'm sold, I'll buy it. But uh, you get it up to the hundred dollar range, it's and and above, it's a little bit too steep without knowing exactly how good beer tastes through this thing. And that's the key. Okay, well, that was our check it out session. I think I already said that. But now it's time for our listener participation tasting notes. So, John, let's open our beers. Oh, man, that was, that was pretty weak on my part. It's these stubby Sorry, bottles. Sorry, I covered for you. Yeah, that's okay. Good. I'm glad you covered it. Here, I'll pour it in here see if I can get a little pouring action into the mic. I don't know. We'll find out at release. Uh, these we are drinking today. We are going to be doing our tasting on Red Hook Brewery out of Woodenville, Washington, outside of uh, Seattle. It's up north, right? Just a little north of Seattle, or is it? Uh, northeast. Northeast. Yeah, yep, and it's uh, it's the ESB, the extra special bitter, and uh, it's a it's supposed to be styled after an English bitter, but um, this one is different than a typical English bitter that I'm used to. Normally, the English bitters are, uh, I, I you know I. I liking them to a little bit different coloring and a little bit more bitterness. Uh, but to me, this is uh, an amber ale. Uh, and, and so that's why I kind of put, I put British, the, the style is a British extra special bitter, but in reality, to me, this is actually a good amber ale. Uh, what do you think, John? Am I out of, yeah. out of line by saying that? or uh, An ESB, yeah, it would be, you know, what we think of as a pale ale. Yeah, a, pale. An, basically, basically an English pale ale would okay. be an ESB. Okay, yeah, that's what that's what I think of. But hey, you know, this is some kind of marketing thing they did back in the '80s when this beer was first released. So I'm not gonna, you know, down them on it. But uh, ABV, this is a 5.8 percent uh, by by volume uh, beer. Uh, not too bad, right? That's a, a decent uh, alcohol volume. And I actually have the IBUs. It's 28, uh, which is Again, for a bitter, you would think there might be a little bit more uh, oomph to that. Uh, it's it's kind of on the you know it's not it's not low low, but it's not uh, high either. So I I don't know. I would have thought maybe, I mean it's probably average for an English bitter uh, because again they're not super bitter anyway. But I, I would have thought it would have been probably in a thirty range at least. But twenty eight still better than sixteen or eleven. Uh, the bottle. Uh, they do serve this in different varieties of, of bottles, but uh, I, I'm thinking John and I both have the same type. We have the 12 ounce little kind of a, it's not a stubby, but it's kind of like a, 
I don't know. It's kind of like a like a long stubby bottle. It's like a it's like a thin long stubby, not like the yeah, like a, a short neck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a short neck. Yeah, it's Something. a yeah, it's a short neck uh, bottle. Uh, not like the full sale stubby bottles that are really stubby. These are like a like a stretched out version of that. But it's kind of a unique bottle. I I like it. I I mean it's I like unique things and it is dark, so it's not going to let the light get light struck. So that's good. I. Uh, I poured my beer into a shaker pint glass. John, what do you got your beer in? I'm in a, a Willie Becker glass. Okay, all right. You got that. You got that name. Excellent. That's. I I remember to pull it up before the show. Yeah, yeah. So I can actually that, say what it was. <laughs> yeah, that is actually the glass that I would have preferred to have mine in, but because I'm too lazy, I just grabbed the shaker pint. I do have that style of pub glass, and I do like to drink out of it. But yeah, like I said, I was too lazy. I just went with what I had. So okay, good on you for, for getting a, a good glass for that. All right, John, what do you think of the coloring? And don't look at my notes because you know I have notes and you're doing uh, this live. <laughs> I I would just call this straight amber. Um, I, I have a few levels coming up. I, I've had a about a finger's head on here when mm-hmm. I first poured it. Yeah. Um, but that dissipated pretty quickly. Um, it's kind of off-white, uh, yeah. mixed bubbles. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty clear. I can see my hand very clearly through the, through the beard. No, like, haze or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I agree. Uh, except, you're right, it is, it is amber. Um, but you know what, I'm not that fancy, so I just call it orange. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's definitely orange to me it's uh it's a nice orange color like same thing i've had uh you know i'll be honest i i was looking for a six pack but they had no six packs available but they did have a 12 pack hey i'm not going to shy away from a 12 pack i'll drink it well the problem is um i've pretty much almost finished this 12 pack off in just two days um uh, and mainly because i've been ha- i've been trying to to in my own mind characterize this beer and it's been very tough on me Uh, if it takes this many beers for me to come up with some descriptors then you know that uh, i'm struggling with it but uh, i agree i've had mixed uh mixed things with the head the head is uh sometimes i'll have no head like i'll pour it and it'll be like a perfectly no head beer and then other times i'll pour it i'll get that one finger uh off white you know kind of cream colored uh really heavy or or coarse bubbled uh, head um and then i pretty much have no lacing either you know i mean one time i'll have a little lacing and other times i'll have absolutely nothing stuck to the side of the glass it's kind of a weird beer and i i was thinking maybe it was because my glassware but even if i use the same glass over and over it still doesn't stick so I don't know. It seems kind of uh, a funky there, but I agree. It's a it's a really clear beer. I can actually read the text on my computer screen through the beer. That's that's a pretty you know unhazy clear beer and very few bubbles. Not not over zealous on the bubbles. So it's kind of a uh, interesting mixture. It means it's not too carbonated. Uh, so that, that's good. Uh, how about your nose? Uh, do you get uh, anything special when you take a big old sniff of this beer? Um, I'm I'm kind of getting a a little bit of an earthy hop note. Um, 
It's almost a, almost a little uh, metallic. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, uh, I get kind of a bread cracker type aroma. Um, no real yeast character, uh, which in an ESB you might expect to get a little, a little bit of a fruity character. Um, in, in terms, if it was like a, a true English style, but I think even a Red Hook now calls this an amber, um, which may be a marketing thing more than anything, because people hear bitter and and think uh, have a negative connotation with that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. About you, what what are you getting in the aroma? So I'll be honest with you. Um, right now, I think I'm getting the most nose in in, a, in this beer than I've had in every single beer I've had out of this Kate uh, Toll Pack. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's faint. the <laughs> The aroma is not strong. Uh, I I do maybe get a little bread and on this and a little sweetness. I can almost smell that there's something sweet in there, and I I'm trying to to pinpoint it as far as like almost like maybe is of some kind of a candy uh like some kind of candy like hard candy you might have had when a kid but I can't I can't uh, pinpoint exactly that that aroma uh so it it's a little bit tough on me but it's not a strong there's no no strong to me there's no strong thing that sets such off that this is what this beer has in it it's just very very faint so uh I'm not doing too well with it, but um, I. You mentioned that that now they're calling it more of an amber, and uh, you mentioned that you have visited the brewery and they've said that this beer has changed over the years. And I'll tell you what, this beer pretty much tastes nothing like it did when I was drinking it back in the early '90s. Uh, Red Hook ESB was one of the first craft breweries. That, that I had access to, you know, so I've, I've talked about this before and uh, it was actually a lot more bitter back then. And now it definitely, to me, as we do the tasting here in a second, maybe have taken on a little bit more of a sweeter, uh, maltier uh, taste to it. So let's take, a, let's take a sip, John, and see what we uh, taste in here. Mm. So I do get a little more sweetness yeah. Um, I take a sip, uh, more of like a, a caramel type sweetness yeah. though. Um, still a little bit of that cracker kind of character yeah, yeah. in the back. Um, but I'm not really picking up any of the hops at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking some more. <clears throat> Maybe um, yeah, there, there might still be, uh, a bit of a kind of spicy hop, and that that might be more what I'm was experiencing in the aroma, more of a spice, mm-hmm. spicy, no, kind of like you get from a noble hop, um, more than a me- metallic. That might be more accurate. Okay, okay. I um, you know, in my initial, in, in my when I first take a sip of this beer, the first thing I I get a hint of is a, is an initial sweetness from the malt, not overly sweet, but just a little bit right there as I take it in. And then I also get, oh, as I burp up here, I also get, uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, crackery or uh, breadiness. Uh, you know, I'm getting a little bit of, of, you know, bready. I don't even know if breadiness is a word, but bready, thing, maybe biscuity 
uh, flavor in there. Um, again, similar to Cracker, probably. We're probably pretty similar there. And then um, on previous beers, I was hinting at some maybe floral notes or some kind of a flowery thing, you know, not not citrus, not tropical, more f- just floral, like like some kind of a floral uh, aroma or, or flavor that I would get from, from something of a flower. Um, and now I don't know, you know, now that I'm drinking it live on air, uh, I don't know, it's hard for me to pick that up right now, but it may have been too when I had it, uh, a little bit warmer, I might pick up that uh, that floral accent. Because what I do is I end up drinking, and then I'll let it sit, and I'll keep taking sips, and I'll keep writing a few notes down as I drink the beer. So uh, the floral notes may have come out when it got a little warmer. What what about the body, John? What do you think about this body? Uh, I would just call it a medium body, medium mm-hmm. carbonation, maybe even a kind of a medium light carbonation. Um, I don't know, just standard for for pale ale type beer although maybe a little little light on the the carbonation here you think other other than that okay it's pretty standard okay yeah the um i agree medium body uh it's got a nice mouthfeel i mean you put the beer in your mouth and it really coats the mouth well uh it leaves a little bit of something on your tongue uh you know, I'm not sure what that is, but there's something that is, you know, some, maybe there's some of that sweetness is left on your tongue a little bit. And then uh, you say it's carbonated a little light. I say it's carbonated just right. Uh, I already mentioned that I have issues with uh, things that are too carbonated. One of the problems I have with Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is I love the beer, but my gosh, that sucker is so carbonated, it just like wants to come right back up as soon as I drink it. So I um I think this one's. You're right. It's it's lighter in carbonation, but I think it's it's just enough. It's not it's not too light where it's almost it's flat, but it's not too much where it's just bubbling out of your stomach. So I think we kind of uh, agree uh, on the body. Uh, oh yeah, I, I mean, if I was handed this, I wouldn't balk at the level of carbonation mm-hmm. in this. Yeah. Um, it's more you know we're kind of nitpicking it a bit <laughs> at this point, so that's what I'm. Uh, yeah, I got to nitpick you. Sorry, man. I don't mean to pick on you. Okay. Oh, no. I, I was saying I was doing that to the beer. Oh, yeah. That note. <laughs> so. Well, you're right, though. When you look through it, there is literally, like, you just see a bubble or two coming up. It's not – it's it's really – doesn't have a lot of, of carbonation. It's, it's not a – it's not a pretty beer, really. You know, it's it's got a nice color with the amber, but it's not one that just makes you, like, want to stare at it very much it's just kind of there uh, and again i can get a little bit entranced with some beers you know looking at a beer if it's if it looks nice enough i just i really enjoy looking at a good uh, colored beer but uh, but yeah the the carbonation would help i think if it was a little bit more bubbly it might give it a more a better presentation um my, my finish i'm going to talk about my finish real quick is i have a night the, the bitterness uh, again, not overly bitter like you expect with an extra special bitter name. It's the bitterness is very complementary to the the sweetness. It's it it adds just enough that gives you that bitter that bit, you know bitterness um, in the finish, uh, and also it almost it takes the sweetness away and almost uh, ends with a dry you know not not dry dry but it 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 starts off with a sweetness and ends kind of dry and I I really like that. Uh, and the bitterness, uh, 
as it, I think as the beer warms up, the bitterness sticks around with you a little bit. It kind of sticks on the back of your tongue, and it, it, you know you do get that uh, subtle bitterness there, but it's not overwhelming. Uh, what do you what do you think, John, about the finish? Um, yeah, it has enough bitterness to balance out, and in terms of the bitterness versus extra special special bitter, um, an an ESB really shouldn't be overly bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I kind of described it as the, the English uh, equivalent of a pale ale. Yeah, um, but I, I think the bitterness level would be even less than than an American pale, um, okay. or, or at least the perceived uh, bitterness would yeah. be. Yeah, um, you're going to have some yeast character in there, there as well. Um, but I think the bitterness uh, for this uh, supports the the malt pretty well, um, and I, I I don't think I'd go as far to call this a dry finish. Um, it's it's not cloying uh, in any way, um, but I, I'd say it's more like a semi sweet type of thing. Um, it, it it will eventually dissipate, but it it doesn't. Uh, I wouldn't say it wipes clear for me at least. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I was just. I think uh what I think what I was meaning to say there is that it definitely finishes drier than I was expecting it with the initial uh taste. It it I thought it was going to be a, that that sweetness was going to stick around and for me it clears up pretty good but not like a dry IPA. Uh but you know for for this beer I I thought wow, that's pretty pretty neat that it, that it kind of did have a little bit of a drier finish but in my opinion again not the expert opinion just uh you know my my opinion is is that it surprised me so um would you recommend this for anyone new to craft beer john or do you think people new should stay clear yeah i would recommend it uh i i think even even though we're saying the bitterness isn't that much i think even the the bitterness in this could end up turning people off if they're coming straight from from a Bud Light mm-hmm. um, type of beer, uh, but uh, I don't know. I, there might be enough sweetness to to kind of uh, keep them around. Uh, I don't know. What do you, What do you think? Yeah, I um, I think surprisingly, I say yeah. I think new people to craft beer could really enjoy this beer. I like that the that you get that that sweetness in the front and it bounces out and doesn't last and doesn't. And doesn't give you an overly bitter, bitter finish. I think that uh, someone new that was trying something different, I think they could appreciate what it gives them without being turned off by either aspect of the sweetness or the the bitterness. I think it's a a, a good balance, and which is you know I'm, I'm probably the most uh, the most to critique beers as far as whether I think uh, someone new to craft beer would would drink it, and I think. Honestly, this one surprised me. At first, I thought I was going to say no; they're not going to like it. And then, the more, and maybe it's just because the more I drank, I just decided that yeah, hell, why not? It's a good beer. It's uh, it's drinkable. Uh, it's it's not undrinkable. I think it. I think that that definitely someone transferring over from the domestic pale lager offerings would find something enjoyable about this that that might turn them to the craft uh, beer. So, so yeah, I agree. I agree that, uh, that, yeah, new people, try it. And uh, we already mentioned uh, Shaker, Non-Imperial Pint, or, or Willie Becker. Those are all great glasses. But you know what? You can drink this beer in any glass. I think you'll be, you'll be fine. It's, uh, again, it's, it's not, it's, you know, it's not 
a big beer that's going to have a lot of it doesn't have a lot of aroma so you're not i don't think you're going to catch anything special by changing the glassware it doesn't have any bu- much bubbles at all so you're not going to get enjoyment by putting in a pilsner glass i think a, a regular shaker pint is just fine because honestly it's not going to be in your glass long enough to really uh you know make a difference so how would you rate this beer john and i kind of changed and we have the same ratings but i kind of changed the little uh byline that kind of explains what they are at the end there. So what what do you think on this beer? Uh, I, I think I'd put it at average. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, yeah, definitely something I, I wouldn't uh, turn down, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, for for me, that that's kind of my my bar. I think if you follow me on tap, you'll see I, I don't put much below three. Mm-hmm. Um and that, that's kind of what my average is. It will, it, you know, is it drinkable? And will I, will I pick one up? Yeah, or? yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I'm the same way. I agree that that anything that I rate a three means that hey, if I see it, I'll I'll pick it up again. If it's below three, you better believe that I probably would not drink that beer again. Uh, so that's that's how I roll too. And I also I agree. It's average. I think that uh, when you see it. You, it's something that you would want to pick up and drink uh, for you know for whatever occasion. If you want to bring it to a party uh, for a you know a pool party during the summer, hey, there's nothing wrong with this beer. I think this beer would be you know it might be a little heavy, but I mean heavier than other offerings. You know some pilsners and some things, but it's not something that's overly heavy. That isn't something you could I think you could drink at a pool party or an outdoor barbecue or something where you want to bring a decent beer for other people to, tr- to try and, and, and get enjoyment out of. So, yeah, I say uh, it's average. Uh, drink it when you feel like drinking something drinkable because it's very drinkable. And just a couple other notes. Um, I try to find the malts and the hops of each of the beers we uh, do a tasting notes on, and it's sometimes it's hard. This one was very hard to find, but I was persistent, and I found a secret document uh, that was given to an event where they had a bunch of uh, Red Hook beers, and they actually listed the ingredients, not you know in proportions, but they, they kind of mentioned what the malts and the hops were. Uh, I was surprised to actually find this little uh, document. But they say that uh, that they are uh, using, and I never even heard of this malt, Clog, Cloggy's Turo. Is, is Cloggy's a, a name brand or something? What's Cloggy's? Uh, I would have guess that um okay yeah so it's they, they're using two row two row pelmont malt oh my gosh i think i drank too much tonight two row pell malt and crystal 60 levy bond malt and it doesn't surprise me that it's 60 levy bond because that it's definitely a darker uh beer so it, that that doesn't surprise me and the hops now here's something the hops is willamette and tetanang hops have you and of course, we all we've heard of Willamette, which gives you more of a, Willamette is more uh, piney, right? We got some piney hops in the Willamette. Uh, Willamette is uh, more earthy, and that could be the metallic that I was picking up. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And then then it also has the Tetnang hops, uh, which would be that spice. So now I feel vindicated. Okay. Because <laughs> I was feeling nervous because I, I started looking at the. Uh, Red Hook page for this, and it says they have spicy, citrusy hops, which those aren't, those hops aren't either, or aren't citrusy at all. Um, 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that makes me feel better about my palate versus right. their description. Well, <laughs> well, hell, hell, you did good because honestly, yeah, I I didn't have any citrus flavors in there. I, as you as I already mentioned, I hinted more at times of a floral uh, bouquet type uh, flavor in it. You know, where I had like a, a bouquet of flowers in my mouth, but not too strong. But yeah, I I totally bombed that because. Uh, I didn't get the spiciness. I mean, maybe the spiciness is part of the the finish. You know, maybe there is some spiciness there that I'm just not, you know, picking up for sure. But, uh, but yeah, I guess you nailed it, John. You're that's why you're the the uh, the expert taster. But hey, I already gave the thing. I tried my best. I drank a ton of these beers to try to come up with what I came up with. So you got to give me credit for that. It's it's. Uh, and any listener out there who is actually tasting this beer along with us and also feels the same way, hey, I understand your pain. Uh, this beer was tough for me to <laughs> to describe. It it, uh, it it was not easy. Uh, the, the 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 flavors are kind of uh, not obvious to me. So, all right, John. Well, uh, it's that time of the show where we start to close things up. But before we end. We always like to give a chance to raise our glass, to give a toast to someone or some people that uh, that we want to just uh, lift up during the show. So, John, do you have anyone you want to lift up today? So I, I'm not really going to do a toast, more of a, a PSA, I guess. Um, but for those that have listened for a while, know that I participate in uh, Extra Life, which is a, a fundraiser for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals at a 24-hour video game marathon. And uh, this year, the event is on November 7th, so I'm bringing this up a little early. (laughs) Um, But uh, I'm I'm kind of really dedicating myself to this event, uh, especially this year. Um, Good friends of ours, uh, unfortunately, uh, lost their their son at at four months old. Um, But uh, they they were interacting. Yeah, the children's here, uh, which is the hospital I've been supporting, and just seeing the way that uh, the children's hospital out here has supported them, um, you know, through, throughout uh, you know his treatments and everything, and, and even afterwards, uh, has really given me a, a more motivation, I guess, for for really trying to uh, pull through for this event. Um, so uh, this year, I've, I've created a team. Um, and I'm starting to recruit for the team, uh, and uh, so I just want to put it out there. Um, I, I started a team called Super Best Friends uh, on on the Extra Life page. Um, uh, if you want to join, uh, any anybody um, who wants to join and just uh, for for a good cause. Uh, I'll, I'll be trying to organize some stuff. I can get some people on the team. And, and uh, if you don't want to participate in the event itself, um, but just want to support, uh, I've already held uh, one little giveaway um, for uh, some movie tickets that was leading up to the um, Avengers movie. And I'm going to do another one for Ant-Man uh, in July. Uh, so... I think it's July when that releases. So keep an eye on on Twitter, and you can jump in and maybe get yourself some movie tickets. Um, 
So if if you wanna um, if you wanna join the team or or if you just feel like uh, donating, which would be awesome, uh, you can find the link for the team uh, uh, off of my my page, which you can get to at extra-life.org slash participant slash ream. So if you head there and, and get the information, uh, and if you want to join me, I would really appreciate it. Excellent. Yes, I'll put a link in our show notes. <laughs> so all you, gotta, all you got to do is click the link to get to John's Extra Life page, and uh, that's great, John. I know that uh, that that'll uh, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to to seeing the team. I'm, I don't know uh, if I should join the team or not because uh, I don't play video games anymore pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time. I haven't played uh, anything in, in a while. So, but you know what? Well, it's a I'll... good excuse to get back at it. You know? Yeah, yeah. You, I you, could. You have to. It's for charity. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's in November. It's it's November seventh. You said right? Is that right? Yes. Ninth or seventh? Okay. All right. That gives me some time to work up to it. Uh, excellent. All right. Well, I also I, I just want to. Uh, I have two toasts. One, I want to toast my good friend Victor Johnson uh, at if you're on Twitter and you follow him at VicJoeUSMC86 he is uh, the founder and creator of the 40cast and a good friend of mine and we uh, you know we've been friends for many years now and I, and I just want to lift my glass up it's his birthday and uh, just to do a cheers to him uh, and all his struggles with, with the, the job he does I know it wears on him and just wanted him to know that I'm always thinking about him and, and holding him, uh, you know, high to, to get through those rough days uh, of his job. And, yeah, it's his birthday. So, hey, celebrate. The other, happy birthday, Vic. Yeah, happy birthday, Vic. And the other the other birthday is today. It just happens. I had no idea that Vic and uh, Full Sail Session Lager shared a birthday, except Session Lager is a lot younger than Vic. Session Lager is only 10 years old. But, hey, it's the Session Lager uh, birthday today also. So, hey, cheers to Session Lager. I, uh, John and I both enjoy uh, those offerings from Full Sail. So. And those are the two that uh, I wanted to mention. Uh, I also just want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting our show. They also provide the hosting space for us to be able to host Tap the Craft on their website. And you can find... Tap the Craft on openforumradio.com. That's where our show notes will be. That's where you can find other great shows to listen to, uh, all kinds of gaming and entertainment, and, of course, our show about beer. So go visit openforumradio.com. Also, just always like to mention all the servicemen and women out there. Uh, you know, I was a former serviceman. I served in the U.S. Navy, and I know that uh, times can be tough and that we they can use all the support that we can give them. So I just want to raise my glass to you. I want to thank you for providing us with the freedoms that we can enjoy here by, by protecting our, our freedoms so that we can have podcasts and we can drink beer and we can do the stuff we do. Without your support, we wouldn't have any of that. So cheers. 
If you would like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft or leave us comments on the show post at openforumradio.com or Google Plus. Just search for Tap the Craft. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Screw and on Google Plus at Denny Loose. And John, if the listeners want to follow you, how can they do that? On Twitter at Prime Brewing, uh, untapped at Prime WA, and I write about homebrewing, although not recently, at homebrewengineer.com. All right. <laughs> excellent. Yes, excellent. All right. Well, hey, it is last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank all of you for downloading and listening to this long, long episode, and we hope that you were able to find at least one, if not five, things useful. And we welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. And that's it for this episode. Now remember, friends don't let friends drink light yellow fizzy beer. Quality craft beer can be enjoyed by all. So spread the word and convert the beer ignorant. Hey, it's Shaver from Open Forum Radio here. want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Just Press Start, Platform Junkies, and Jobbers on the Mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com. Links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and... Uh, Take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. All right, folks, take it easy. Have a good day.